This episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel, the official travel agency of Communicore Weekly. Let them help you plan all of your travel needs to have an amazing Disney vacation. Send them an email at communicoreweekly at fairygodmothertravel.com. Tell them we sent you. Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show, and home of the world's first pair of independently born, identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And here we are, two episodes deep into season four. How's it feel? Oh, I, I feel good. I feel pretty good, or too. Or was that rhetorical again? Oh, uh, no, it was an actual question oh, Okay, you, good, good, I guess. good, good. I, I wasn't sure which way it was going, because we have that occasionally. So There are some occasional rhetorics on the show. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm doing better. I'm sticking to the New Year's, New Year's resolution of, of living fast and dying poor. Oh, that's always good. Always good. You know? Congratulations, George. A lot of people don't stick to their New Year's resolution, so good for I'm, you. I'm, I'm, I'm walking faster and eating faster and driving faster. And well, I don't, I don't know if all those things are necessarily good. I mean, you should probably stay within the speed limits and, you know, oh. not shove too much food in your mouth at once because you can choke and then okay, die. So, well, so, I mean, so spending like, all my money... Is, uh, supposed, is that part of the die poor thing? I guess so. Sure. Let's go with that. Thank you to everyone who's continued to send in all of their um, information and, and whatnot and uh, envelopes to get their cadet uh, membership cards. Oh, I've sent out yeah. so many so far in like the That's last awesome. week alone. So keep sending stuff in and we'll it, keep sending it out to you. They can <laughs> send it to Communicro Weekly, P.O. Box 432. Orange, California, 92856. And again, it's on the website, it's on the Facebook page, yeah. so you don't have to write it down while you're driving or whatever you're doing right now. Yeah, that way you can get your free Communicore Cadet card, which hey, entitles yes. you to all the benefits of being uh, a Communicore Cadet. Exactly. It's time for Disney History! You guys already know that we love the weird and the older and the really obscure stuff that is no longer around in, you know, in theme park history, especially at Walt Disney World. So this week, we wanted to take a look at the random hodgepodge of things from Walt Disney World Resort that some of you may remember and some of you may go, you know, scratching your heads and go, huh? You know, for example, we're obsessed with the 1970s Walt Disney World Resort. And obviously, that is where our love of Bob Around Boats comes from. But there is another vessel from that time period that we'd like as well. Yes, yes, we do. The Eastern Winds was a boat that existed at Walt Disney World from 1971 to 1978. It was a former 65-foot party boat, which suffered various problems and was retired from service, more or less. It was moored off the Polynesian for atmosphere before being sold. Uh, there were a set of painted eyes in the front of the boat to replicate the design of Chinese junks so that the boat can see where it's navigating. Uh, think of it as a pre-Cars film, but with boats in a way. And and if they do make the movie, we get 10% now, right? Uh, I hope so. Fingers crossed. Okay. 
So the Eastern Winds is the Polynesian's very own floating cocktail lounge, and that came in uh, in the form of a 65-foot-long Chinese junk. And while it was normally tethered dockside at the hotel's marina, it was a real boat. I mean, it included a deck and cabin lounge areas, uh, state rooms, and lovely serving hostesses. But sadly, the Eastern Winds uh, didn't manage to float its way into the 1980s. <laughs> so I, I scanned well over a decade of Eisner's and Walt Disney World News, which were old cast member periodicals and things you get at check-in, and I found very little information about this bit of Walt Disney World ephemera. So when I ran across an ad in a WDW News, I knew I'd struck gold. It featured a great photo of the boat sailing in the Seven Seas Lagoon with the caption, and I quote, Enjoy cocktails and authentic oriental atmosphere aboard Walt Disney World's Eastern Winds Junk, end quote. So the ad went on, relax on your own oriental adventure aboard the Eastern Winds, an authentic 65-foot Chinese junk imported from Hong Kong, departing the Polynesian Village Marina three times every evening. Each cruise, approximately an hour and a half, is a separate adventure in itself, with complimentary cocktails and exciting entertainment. Glimpse our water ski show at 6, slide by the serpents of the Didanar electrical water pageant at 8.30, or thrilled to the Fantasy in the Sky fireworks at 10, all from the deck of our most unique floating lounge. It's a front row seat to adventure. Chart your own Oriental Odyssey tonight. Couples, $8. Singles, $4. Or the entire family, $10. Now, it's important to note that there's complimentary cocktails, which, I don't know about you guys, <laughs> that's saying there's an open bar, essentially. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Well, the Eastern Winds was sold by Disney after being moored in the middle of Seven Seas Lagoon for several years. It was relocated to St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands, where it was used for recreational cruises. Moving along to the next bit of hodgepodge, though, we have the Treehouse Villas. Originally, the 1973 plans for the Lake Buena Vista community called for a residential development with four different community themes based on golf, tennis, boating, and western activities, which I guess meant wearing chaps and shooting things? Maybe? Maybe? I don't know. I don't think they worked that part out yet. Probably not. So, well, a lot of construction actually took place in 1974, and it included 133 townhomes and four model homes. Now, the following year, Disney announced a retirement community, uh, additional townhomes, and residential apartments for Lake Buena Vista. And the 60 treehouse homes were finished by 1975. And as the Epcot Center plan changed in the mid-1970s, so did the idea for the residential community of Lake Buena Vista. In an article from the September 1975 WDW News, we see that the focus on the treehouse villas changed as well, from residential to more corporate. And... You know, this is another Walt Disney World thing and it's hard to find too much information on, uh, especially photos. Apparently, Trails Villas must have been really difficult to photograph since there aren't many good photographs of them out there. Sort of like Sasquatch. Exactly. They're all blurry and <laughs> fake and... <laughs> okay, so Dan W. Darrow, who at the time was the manager of sales and marketing for Lake Buena Vista, said this about the new corporate programs, and I quote, Imagine entertaining clients and friends in a treehouse located in the Walt Disney World host community of Lake Buena Vista. Executive retreats, customer, customer motivation plans, board meetings, and incentive packages are a few of the corporate programs made possible by the Lake Buena Vista treehouse and townhouse villas. 
clients would be impressed by staying in a treehouse that overlooks a fairway, and employees would work harder if they could win a week's stay in a townhouse. End quote. So, can we win a stay in a townhouse? I don't or a know if employees of Communicore Worldwide Entertainment, if we're allowed to. Can we float that question on up to to the the head honchos, the bosses? We probably should. Okay, we let's, should. let's we'll schedule that. a meeting. Good, good. Okay. So the Treehouse's remarkable fairway or the water view rooms uh, views, they came from a octagonal main living area that is hoisted high into the trees by a 10-foot diameter base. And there was a double set of uh, cedar stairs which leads to the quote-unquote front door, which is 10 feet above the ground level. And inside the octagonal treehouse, uh, there's a kitchen, a living room, two bedrooms, and a bath, which are all cozily situated. And from the top level, guests may exit through a sliding glass door that opens to a balcony, or they may climb down a winding narrow staircase leading to the family room and to an adjoining golf cart park uh, space right next door on the ground level. So you get your own golf cart if you stay there. Yeah. Uh, and there was uh, parking, exclusive parking to Disney Village, but we'll cover that in the future show. Uh, while the, the tree houses are most popular with couples, the townhouses were often inhabited by families and business teams, according to Darrow. Another quote, No doubt about it, the spacious one, two, and three-bedroom townhouses are ideal for hosting client receptions, business discussions, or cocktail parties with friends, he said. A lot of cocktails in the 70s. Yeah, everyone was drinking in the 70s. Wow, okay. So then each townhouse and treehouse came with kitchen appliances. Also included are kitchen utensils, dishes, central air conditioning, shag carpeting, eh? yeah, and outdoor patios with furniture. Definitely the 70s with the shag carpeting, no <laughs> doubt about it. So the villas were not all the Lake Buena Vista corporate uh, program had to offer. The Lake Buena Vista Club had meeting and banquet facilities, plus a staff of business coordinators. And the Lake Buena Vista Hotel Plaza hosted many conventions, and its nightclubs were extremely popular during uh, evening retreats for many Walt Disney World guests. And for gifts, meals, or relaxation, the Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village was a common destination for guests of all ages. So, quoting Darrow again, We feel we've put it all together. Luxurious and unique accommodations, golf, tennis, swimming, a country club, four hotels, and our incredible shopping village. Plus, we have beautifully landscaped grounds and the famous Disney hospitality. Then, to top it all off, we've got a magic kingdom in our backyard." End quote. Today, the Treehouse Villas are part of the Disney Vacation Club property at Saratoga Springs and remain a popular place to stay and play. So we mentioned earlier that the initial plans for the Lake Buena Vista community were to include a residential community and a retirement community before the the, the plans uh, changed to make a more of a vacation getaway uh, into a corporate retreat. So why did they change? Well, if enough people were allowed to take up residence in Lake Buena Vista, they would become citizens. And those citizens would get voting rights. And those voting rights could you know, possibly block expansions of the Magic Kingdom and the Walt Disney World property. So Disney changed the focus of the community to vacation villas and to treehouse villas and club-like villas, basically as an alternative to the typical resort hotels, just so they wouldn't have to answer to anyone saying, mm, no, we don't want a theme park in our backyard anywhere. <laughs> we we don't want can... Arendelle uh, to come in our backyard. <laughs> Not yet. Plus, they can make so much more money, apparently, selling cocktails to 
businessman. Apparently, that must be a business on its own right there. Yeah, go figure. We and should open a, a bar. We'll do that. Um, what do we call it? Communicore barley? Uh, uh, barley? Yeah. Beef barley? Maybe. Okay, anyway, if, if you ever had the opportunity to stay at the Treehouse Villas or any of the Club Lake Villas and the Fairway Villas before Saratoga Springs, give us a call and tell us all about it on the Communicore Weekly Goat Line at 424-785-GOAT. That's 424-785-4628. You don't know what you know till we know you. You, know, you just don't know. There's one little fact we bet you didn't. One little fact we bet you didn't know. During the summer of 1972, Hosts and hostesses scooped over 500 gallons of ice cream a day at the Plaza Ice Cream Parlor on Main Street. Guests had a choice of six flavors, all temperature controlled for easy scooping. On a busy day, 1,400 ice cream cones an hour were handed over to hungry guests. Now we know you. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. This week's book is Rogue Wave, book two of the Waterfire Saga by Jennifer Donnelly. I covered book one of the Waterfire Saga, which was called Deep Blue, back on episode 125. And Rogue Wave is the second book in the Waterfire Saga, uh, which is about six mermaids that find themselves on a journey to save their different realms from a terrible source of evil. Um, the, the book series so far is really geared towards uh, teens and tweens, but we'll get to that at the end. Just uh, You might be scratching your head going, why am I reviewing this? Okay, so the Merles, which is Mermish for girls. Uh, it's that guy all, from The Walking Dead. Yeah, that's who it was. Okay. They, they were all called on uh, their journey in Deep Blue as they discovered their own magical powers. Uh, I, I did enjoy the first book of the saga, but really thought that the introduction of the terms and the characters really bogged down the story. Uh, and as I mentioned in my, in my review of Deep Blue, I wish I had known about the glossary that was in the back of the book. Uh, Rogue Wave, Wave also offers a glossary of terms and characters that I found myself referring to fairly often. Okay, so uh, before Disney embarked on the Waterfire saga, they created an entire world like a notebook or an encyclopedia that outlined all the characters and the rules of the world and pretty much what was going to happen in the story before they handed off to Miss Donnelly. It reminded me a lot of what J.K. Rowling did with the Harry Potter novels. But with Rogue Wave, it really felt like Donnelly was laying down a huge story arc that's going to take a couple books to finish, which I guess is good. Um, the book focuses on the heroic journeys of the two mermaids, or two of the mermaids in particular, Serafina, who was the main character, she was the princess from the first one, and Neela, who was a, a friend from another mermaid community in another sea. It gets very confusing. Um, there are the other four mermaids are mentioned in the story, but not the major focus. And uh, hopefully the other four mermaids will get their own tales in the future. Eh? 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 Anyway. Um, the, the crux of the story is still about the mermaids coming to terms with their journeys, but most of the action is trying to decipher what's happening in the world, as well as how to procure the six talismans that are needed to contain the evil that we mentioned earlier. Uh, in this sense, the Waterfire Saga really does remind me of the Harry Potter books. Uh, one thing in particular that surprised me 
was how Donnelly was able to present Serafina and Mila as modern teenagers. Uh, they even shared a lot of the same issues that, that do seem to affect teens. Mila was constantly eating sweets, and it takes her a while to realize that she was eating these sweets in order to battle her own fears and insecurities. Um, there's one point where she decides to stop eating, and her story changes somewhat. Serafina then, uh, the princess, she changes her appearance often, and she questions how she feels in other mermaids' skin, which is one of her magical properties she can transform herself. It's not that she wasn't happy with being uh, the mermish princess, I guess, but she still questioned how she looked when she assumed other forms. So you can see how she's creating characters that uh, people can easily relate to and sort of find their own story. Uh, I thought that Rogue Wave was a much stronger book than Deep Blue, but it also uh, can tell more of the story instead of explaining the world. I did enjoy the book, but as I mentioned earlier, it is geared towards the teen, tween, sort of uh, young lady audience, which I'm obviously not. But I still enjoyed it. There really was nothing inappropriate about the book. Uh, it's a much safer read than the Twilight series. Nothing bad happens. But, you know, still, it really is a fantasy series set underwater with mermaids and magic. Uh, there's some action scenes. They're getting to get some romance, so I'm getting a little uncomfortable. But uh, overall, I, I thought it was well-written, kept me entertained, and I didn't mind reading it, especially since it's not geared towards me. Uh, so this week's book is Rogue Wave, which is book two in the Waterfire Saga by Jennifer Donnelly. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week. So this window is located in Hong Kong Disneyland, and it reads, Main Street Supply Company. If you need it, we supply it. Alex Bowen, Noble Coker, Brian T. Jones, Claus Mager, where quality is in good supply. Now, Alexander Bowen is the director of costuming for Imagineering. Noble Coker was the director of information technology for Hong Kong Disneyland. In 2005, he was promoted to vice president and chief information officer. Now, he is the vice president of operations for the entire Hong Kong Disneyland Resort. Brian T. Jones started as a ride and show engineer at Walt Disney World in 1989. He became manager of engineering services from 1997 to 2002 when he became director of facility services for Hong Kong Disneyland. He returned to Walt Disney World in 2006 where he became director of manufacturing, then director of engineering service, and now serves as director of Reedy Creek Energy Services. Klaus Major was resident manager of the Disneyland Hotel at Disneyland Resort from 1986 until 1995 when he became director of food and beverage for the resort. He relocated in 2001 to become director of food and beverage for Hong Kong Disneyland. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. When you're on Pirate's Lair on Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland, just behind the restrooms closest to the Phantasmic stage, you'll find a group of boxes, wooden boxes to be exact. Now the top box says that these boxes are to be shipped to Harper's Cider Mill, Cider Point, 
Now, before the pirates invaded uh, Tom Sawyer's Island, the mill on the island was originally known as Harper's Cider Mill. However, since the pirates came in 2007, it was uh, renamed to Lafayette's Tavern, presumably named after Lafayette's Landing from Pirates of the uh, Caribbean attraction itself, which in turn was named after the pirate uh, John Lafayette. So there's a lot of naming after Lafayette's uh, <laughs> in, in, uh, pirateception. Brom, you know. That's what I was going to say. When you said Cider Point, I was thinking, ah, oh, maybe they were giving us clues that they were going to buy another amusement park. You mean Cedar Point? Yeah. A nice little Cider nod Point there? Would be a nice fall, lots of cider. Apple cider? Yeah, never mind. War okay. apple cider? <laughs> yes, we shall move on now. So uh, we wanted to take a second to announce this week's prize winner, which is uh, the prize is a set of Disney Cruise Line butter knives from Fairy Godmother Travel. And this week's winner is Jason C. from Santa Clarita, California. Hooray! Yay. We were so joking should... when we said we had ridiculous prizes as well. Yes, yes. But I mean, a bu- butter knives from the Cruise Line, that's pretty awesome. If I may make a request, Jason... When you receive said prize, please take a photograph of you buttering something with them because Ooh. I would think that's hilarious. That would be very funny. We can post that on the Facebook page or wherever else you'd like us to post it. Exactly. We'd exactly. be happy to. So uh, don't forget to um, send us your name and birthday and address to communicorweeklygml.com so you can be part of our fantastic season for promotion the year of a million or so limited time cadets exactly i said it very dramatically there everyone yes you did you did which is a good way to end out the show so thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode of communicore weekly please leave us a rating on itunes or uh, a comment on the youtube version on live fast mm-hmm. iport tv wherever you are listening or watching leave us a comment we want to hear from you yep and you can email uh email us <laughs> your comments Use CommunicorWeekly at gmail.com. And of course, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash CommunicorWeekly. Yep, you can follow both of us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imaginerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. And of course, leave, a, leave us a message on the CommunicorWeekly goat line at 424-785-4628. And while you're out patrolling the internet like good cadets do, Visit Communicore Weekly and look at the Communicore store, the Communist store, where you can buy t-shirts and pick up a copy of Communicore Weekly, the musical. And of yeah. course, send us a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856, and we will gladly send you stickers and your official cadet membership card. Yay, with numbers. Yes. Ooh, very excited. Uh, for Jeff Heimbuck. I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Communicore Weekly.